with Call It What It Is. And yes. today we have a very special guest, Miss Kirsten Kemp. Welcome to the pod, Yay, Kirsten welcome. Kemp. Thank you. Happy to be here. How are here. you today? How are you doing? Very good. It's been a chill day, a nice little admin day, so it's nice to get out my extroversion and talk to you guys. I'm excited. Yay! Well, we're, we're so to have happy you. to have you. Um, so Kirsten and I know each other. Yes, Kirsten. I keep wanting to call you Kirsten for no good reason <laughs> good. other than I think I'm minorly dys- dyslexic sometimes. <laughs> um, so Kirsten and I both are University of Utah grads, right? Go Utes. Yep. Go Utes, baby. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was at the summer program that I was teaching at recently doing a wonderful um, kind of workshop series mm-hmm. on mindset coaching yeah. for ballet dancers. So... Without further ado, let's just jump into the first question. Let's go. And I know, I know you already know. I know what it is. I do my homework. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Rachel, do you want to ask? What point you girly are you? (laughs) Free girly. I used to be a Grishka girly until I was like tormented by my teachers for enough consecutive (laughs) years to stop (laughs) and finally get on the free train. So, Freed when, Classics when, Deep Vamp R Maker currently. Oh, sweet. Awesome. sweet. I like the R Maker. It's a good one. You know, I, I just say, I agree. stick with one until they're out of stock or they fail me in some way. And then you know how it goes. You just yes. find someone else. <laughs> yes, exactly. So when did you when did you become a freak early? When, when did they persuade you slash force you so when I was at the Houston Ballet Academy I was there for two years and I had one teacher who out of all of them was like no Grishkos are good don't don't listen to the other teachers you're fine the rest of them were like on my back the whole time like these shoes are garbage are they even called Grishkos anymore do do y'all know I I heard Uh, there was like some drama with this something like that Oh, I did. I do remember the drama, but I thought they were still called Grishkos. I might not be up on the current tea. Maybe. So yeah, then I might be spewing lies, but I heard something. So yeah, that was that was my life. And then I left the academy after two years, narrowly escaping enough torment to still stick with the Grishkos because <laughs> I was like very stubborn. Um, mm-hmm. You know, because it just like when you are held to such a high standard of performance. You don't want to risk that slipping and having to go through the messy transition. But then, so when I went to the U, I had teachers consistently being like, girl, what are you doing? I think it was... It was Maggie. It was Maggie. Probably. And then also we had Calvin Kitten at the time. I'm pretty sure he was like, also, what are you doing? Yeah. 
major smack oh, talk funny. for the Grishkos. So finally I was yeah. like, you know what? I shouldn't blow this off any longer. And I did it. So mm-hmm. no and college regrets. is like the right time. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Cause I didn't feel like someone was going to fail me, you know, if I didn't have like a perfect day every day in that environment. So mm-hmm. I thought, okay, okay. Yeah. This is a good safe space. I can do it. It is a tough transition though. Mm-hmm. I, I did that in college too. I was a, Suffolk girly Ooh. for a while. Okay. I wore but bricks. That's closer. I wore bricks. That's a little bit closer to a freed, I think. It's closer, but honestly, it like inhibited the um the three quarter parcels. Yeah. Yeah, so I had to build a lot of strength and like within the first couple of months um switching over, I had um like the metatarsals got so squashed together squashed squished, I don't know um that they started to like bruise or something like that so I I know that the transition is it's a tough one yeah um 100% yeah but worth it hey Kirsten yes it's so worth it so worth it so worth it um would you be willing to give us a little bit of background information? Tell us what you came <laughs> Background about. check. Tell us about your life and your career. Background check. Am yeah. I getting qualified <laughs> we for this podcast right now? Like, are y'all going to kick me out of this? Oh my God, no. No, no, you're already plenty qualified. <sighs> okay, good. So a little background on me is that, well, should I kind of give my kind of Everything. current bio or like, what I'm doing, and then how I got there. Because I can go I long or I can go short. Go long, girlfriend. we got all the time in the world. Okay. Sweet. I think, yeah, ballet and all of it. Awesome. Okay. Okay. So what I'm doing currently is I'm a mindset coach for dancers, which basically, I like to phrase it this way. It's kind of like imagine sports psychology with counseling kind of mixed together. So I specialize in helping dancers to really build the mindset and learn the psychological tools to be able to perform their best consistently. So that's kind of like that sports psychology side. But I'm also really passionate about helping dancers through the mental struggles that often inhibit our mental health um, and just suck the joy and the life out of dance. So whether that's like self-doubt, performance anxiety, um, low self-esteem, um, you know, all the sorts of fun things that a lot of dancers relate to experiencing. Yeah. At one point or another, we all know what it feels like. So in my own journey, kind of backtracking, um, I grew up at a small recreational studio and I found out that I was very passionate about ballet kind of early. I was 13 or 14 and I was kind of a big fish in a little pond in the sense that I took ballet really seriously and most other girls didn't. And so I had that really kind of comfortable situation where it's like, I didn't think to doubt myself because I just saw myself as constantly improving. I believed if I could put in effort, I would see results. And so I just didn't think to doubt or imagine like, oh, I can't do this. I can't do that. I, I was just, I literally had thoughts like, huh, do I want to dance for this big company or that big company? I don't know. I I'll that, decide. Yeah. Like that was little cocky Kirsten Kemp mindset. I don't think I was cocky. I was just dreaming, you know? Confident. But yeah, I was yes. confident. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that was a really beautiful stage. And I think as a lot of dancers also experienced this, I... um 
of course, was like, oh, I want to get serious about this. I want to be a professional. And as I started getting into better training environments, like my first summer intensive, and then I would get into better and better summer programs every year. Um, it, I eventually started going places like San Francisco Ballet for the summers and Houston Ballet, different places like that. And so, of course, then I was around a bunch of prodigies, <laughs> people who are now yeah. principal dancers in notable companies. And so that was when I went from the big fish in a little pond effect to the exact opposite. And I think a lot of dancers can re- relate to that time in their life being exciting because you're working, you're doing your passion, you're improving, but also it's tough because you're seeing the quote unquote competition all around you all the time. And the teachers are getting more intense and it feels like the expectations are so high and you're also a teenager. And so life is just very emotional anyway. (laughs) Um, So yeah, that's when I started to experience stress and seeing that impact my performance was just like, hmm, ah, interesting. But I just thought it was normal because it was. That's what I saw a lot of dancers experiencing around me. Um, And fast forward to when I was training year-round at Houston Ballet, I was in um, the top level of the academy my last year. And despite being more technically um, trained, than ever, I experienced having such crippling performance anxiety and so much self-doubt and just a lot going on in my head to where it was, it was like, I was so well-trained, but I'd never been performing worse in my life. Um, and yeah, I, I also noticed a huge decline, not only in my mental health, but then that directly related to my physical health. I was getting injuries constantly and it just started to get almost comical and so embarrassing, like how the injuries would just cascade one into another. And I was also struggling to recover from them. So I now know looking back on the mind body connection and knowing what I know now that there is a huge correlation between the amount of stress and the emotions you're experiencing. I'm pretty sure I was experiencing depression and anxiety, and that has a really big toll on your ability to recover and your resilience against injuries and things like that. So, but yeah, back in the day, I didn't know I was just experiencing this for the first time. So that definitely planted a seed for me in being like, Hmm, does my mind have something to do with how I dance and how happy I am in life? Now, that's a really basic question, but as a 19-year-old without Instagram, when mental health wasn't as trendy to talk about, that was like so new to me at the time. But of course, after that, I went to um, the University of Utah and I found that environment to be very uh, healthy for me personally. I was very supported by my professors and I felt like that was really a healing place for me where I felt like I had permission to believe in myself. And it was amazing how this knee injury I had been experiencing in my last year at Houston Ballet, it felt like it would never end. And then once I came to the U and I was happy and I was feeling confident and I was feeling safe, the knee pain went away within a few weeks. It was wild. Now I'm not making health claims. I'm not a doctor. I'm not telling, that's not prescriptive. Like 
If you're listening to this and you have a real injury, I had a real injury. I'm not saying it's in your head. Just be happy. You won't hurt anymore. I'm just sharing my story. And that was just me witnessing like, oh, my mind and my emotions really has something to do with my ability to perform, my ability to retain choreography and learn quickly, my focus, everything. I just saw it translate to all sorts of results on every area of my life. So um, when I finally went into audition season, my senior year, and I got into a company, I was with Oklahoma City Ballet. Um, that's when I really felt like a mindset queen. And I had never read a book about like personal development or psychology. None of that. I didn't even take a psych course in college. But there was just something about that time where just through the power of observing my experience and observing the experience of others and just being a very curious person where I was like, Hmm. audition season's coming up and I realized there was this huge temptation to think of it as, oh my gosh, it's going to be miserable. It's going to be so stressful. How am I going to do this? So much pressure. I have to make it or my dream is over. You know, I realized that I could think that way. And I saw a lot of my peers also thinking that way. And I just had this actual like epiphany moment that I talk about sometimes in my YouTube videos where I remember sitting or I was standing, I was warming up, holding onto the wall outside of studio 60. And I was uh, listening to a bunch of my peers also get ready for rehearsal. And a lot of them were sitting and they were just talking. And I remember hearing some of them talk about audition season coming up and there were also seniors. And a few of them said things like, it's going to be so miserable. Oh my gosh, the spring is going to suck. Now I had the advantage of knowing some of those dancers and knowing that several of them had never actually been to a company audition before. And so I just had this moment where things just clicked for me. And I was like, if you've never been to a company audition before, how would you know if it's going to suck? But I had also been in the top level at the U for enough years to see senior classes going through every single year. And I saw that the ones who predicted that they were going to have a very difficult experience, I saw them feel defeated way faster. I saw them struggling mentally in class and like I could see in their body language, they were really in their heads. I saw them struggle to get the results they wanted and I saw their mental health really decline. So I think things were just really snapping into view for me in that moment to realize like, oh my gosh, our minds are, well, specifically our beliefs have a lot of predictive power and our minds have a lot of power to create our experience. And that was the first time I think I started to realize how our minds and our belief systems can create self-fulfilling prophecies. So in that moment, I literally decided I'm going to have a great audition season. It's just like... I don't know. I was naive and just, I don't know, feeling empowered in that moment. I was like, that's what I'm going to do. And so I can go into much more detail about how I did that, the mindset I went into audition season with. Um, and I had been through audition season before and I never had a better, more empowering, even exciting experience as I did that year. So th- those were just seeds planted in my journey that later on when I was dancing in a company and I was very happy there, but I, um, unfortunately had a knee injury come back the same old one, but it came back with a vengeance this time. 
And I was wrestling with needing to let go of dancing professionally so that I could heal. And while I was recovering from that knee injury, of course, again, I was seeing how my mentality was affecting my recovery. Like if I would go back into class and try to recover, I I would just notice like if my mind would start to fear pain and because I would predict and fear pain, I would stiffen up and then I would do something in a weird compensating kind of way. And then again, it would create a self-fulfilling prophecy, but I didn't yet have the, I had awareness at that point, but I didn't yet have the tools for like, okay, how can I get through this? How can I change my mind to actually help me heal and perform better? But at the same time I was, um, recovering from surgery at that point. And, um, I know I'm kind of jumping around a little bit, so hopefully it feels like there's continuity, but yeah, if, if I need to yeah repeat anything, just let me know. But, um, a lot of my friends while I was sitting and watching rehearsals, they would come over to me and I realized I just felt a lot of joy in being able to support them. And it actually helped me to feel purposeful in that time that was just really sad, to be honest. I felt so much purpose and joy in just asking them questions and hearing them out and supporting and encouraging them. And I was actually kind of tired of thinking about me and talking about me at that point. So it was cool that I didn't actually know at that time that I was, I was just an untrained, unskilled coach. (laughs) I didn't know I was doing that, but I realized, oh my gosh, I love helping people to realize uh, or like change their beliefs that aren't working for them. I love helping people to realize what they're actually doing well and build confidence or to feel encouraged or to go from struggling into building an action plan so they can get unstuck. I love that. I didn't know I was doing it just as a friend. And then I also didn't know that was a career path, but just through a couple of really crazy circumstances, um, I ended up learning what I first learned what life coaching was. And I was like, (laughs) that sounds dumb. Like to be completely honest, I kind of judged it. I was like, who hires a life coach? What? I kind of joked that I I've become almost everything I've judged in the past. So I'm like very careful about judging things now. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I found out that this is a thing you can actually get certified in. And this is a thing that people actually do for their careers. And, you can specialize it to help specific populations with specific goals. And so I got my first, uh, after I stopped dancing to heal, I was like, well, I don't know what I'm going to do with my life. Um, and that's when I found out about coaching, I ended up signing up for my first certification and that's a whole other story. Um, cause I feel like coaching kind of found me, I was not seeking it out. I actually thought I was going to go into finance. (laughs) Random. Um, because I was good at that. I was studying it in college. That's what my dad does. I was thinking like, Oh, I could take over his business one day. Like I was on that path. But, um, my twin sister, actually, the way I say coaching found me, my twin sister was also transitioning careers at that time. And she was going from corporate consulting to thinking of becoming a career coach to help people, you know, to, discern what they want to do as a job. That's a better fit for them personally. And, you know, do their resume and all these things to get connected with that job opportunity. And I was like, Oh, okay. So she found a, she found a coaching certification program and she invited me to join her in it. I was like, that sounds dumb. What, what is that? (laughs) Okay. I, 
again, I did not know what coaching was. So I just thought, okay, weird, but sweet. If you want to do it, that's awesome. So I got to join the first conference, like training weekend of the program for free as her guest. And I remember I was sitting there on the first day and it, it was so like raw, raw, like positive, motivational speaking kind of vibe. And everyone looked so excited to be there. And I just thought, you know, as a dancer, I just have that mentality that I don't want to waste any experience. I want to apply myself. And so I thought, you know, I'm here. I'm going to be here for three days. Uh, a couple of people had randomly told me throughout my life that I sound like a life coach. So I just decided I'm going to pretend that I paid to be here and I'm just going to participate like full out. So I did. And after the first day, I was like, sheesh, this is kind of cool. Like people as a job get to like support others and ask them questions to lead them in self-discovery and self-awareness so that they can go from problem to solution. I love that. Um, and I started to, again, learn about the many different applications of coaching. It's like a very general skill set, but you can combine it with other certifications and other trainings or specialties to help, again, certain populations achieve certain goals. So by the end of that weekend, I did sign up to be in the program. And I was like, well, I guess I'm going to be a coach because I didn't know I was kind of already doing that anyway. Just again, untrained and unskilled and unaware. Um, and so then I just rolled with it. I thought, you know, this is something that could help dancers. A lot of dancers have self-doubt, low self-confidence, um, fear-based thoughts that create uh, anxiety around performing or whatever. I just thought, yeah, I can find a way to apply this to dancers. And I think it could... It could go somewhere. So I just kept taking one step at a time and I had no idea what I was doing in the beginning. Oh my gosh. Like I think back and I'm like, oh wow, girl. But I'm proud of myself for starting. And I say I kind of like figured everything out backwards by just throwing myself into it. And I started working with um, dancers for free and just figuring out like the skill of coaching. How do I want this to work? Um, and then I ended up finding out about different things like neuro-linguistic programming, which is a really, really cool methodology for, I mean, to put it really simple, simply like mind change. And it, it's a um, series of techniques that can be used to help people break through limiting beliefs, um, release uh, negative emotions, and essentially be able to change their mind to help them perform their personal best. And so I learned about that and I just kept getting different um, certifications and honing in what I do through experience to develop what I do now, uh, which I coach dancers individually and I also speak. Um, and I kind of, again, now I like to say I kind of bridge the uh, gap of like counseling, performance psychology and bring them together to help dancers um, improve their mental health and also perform their best consistently. So that's like the very messy, long story of like how I got to what I'm doing now. And I love it. No, that was amazing. Love awesome. I loved hearing all of that. Thanks. May I ask, was there ever a doubt that you would you would be eventually coaching dancers. Did you ever think I'm just going to coach in general or were you always like, no, 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 I'm going to go back to my people. Good question. I actually did take a little detour before I went 
to uh, specializing in helping dancers because I had a limiting belief that dancers couldn't pay me. So I was like, that sounds great, but we're broke. Like, it's not going to work. No way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not going to happen. And so uh, what's really funny is um, for me personally, I'm a Christian and I can just see like, I'm a very spiritual person. I could see like the hand of God in my life and just really that divine direction, always just like lovingly guiding me to the path that I feel I'm supposed to be on. And so I, I had a very silly and funny couple months where I was like, I'm not going to, I can't coach dancers. They don't have any money. I'm not going to do that. No, I'm going to, I'm going to be a career coach. And I basically like copycatted what my sister was trying to do because I didn't think it could work. And it was so amazing to me, again, speaking of what I believe was divine direction, um, just like how I feel coaching just kind of came to me in a way. Um, my first coaching client who actually paid me came through a random email I got through my YouTube channel where I wasn't trying to get clients who were dancers because, again, didn't think it could work. Someone just heard me talking in my YouTube videos, and I think I mentioned something about, I'm a coach now. And, um, this person's mom, she reached out to me and I could tell she was also very confused about what I did because I was also very confused at the time. But she was like, I remember the email said something like, I would like to pay you to, uh, do life coaching with my, with my daughter. And then in another sentence, she was like, I would like, if tell me about your consulting. Like she was even calling it different things in the email that like shows how like new and confused. Like, but she, I was like, me? you, you, you want me to help your daughter? Okay. I'll hop on a zoom call with you guys. And so, um, yeah, she became, her daughter became my first client and that just felt like, Oh my gosh, so meant to be. And it just really, I'm very thankful because it helped with that belief that it wouldn't work. And then after that first client, I was like, yeah, no, the other idea was silly. This is really what I'm meant to be doing. It's amazing. Well, I can say also from my personal experience, I, I didn't, I didn't get to go to your um, seminars this summer cause I had other things going on, mm-hmm. but um, I don't think we, I don't know, I don't know if we told you, but your process works. Let me tell you, she's very effective because these kids over advocated. Okay. It was, I know, I know. Eyebrows raised. There were like five of them who came up to us and they wanted to switch classes because I can't remember why it was. I think they wanted to do like more partnering, but they weren't in the same level, but it was great. They came to speak to Maggie. So they came, they, ended up, um, I think taking those classes, but then once they, um, did that, they started wanting to just switch classes whenever. Uh. And that's when we had to like, be like, okay, we can't do that anymore. <laughs> but I will say it was, it only took one hour with Miss Kirsten Kemp for these kids to really step up. So wow, <laughs> that's so sweet. Yeah. yeah. I was telling them, I was joking with Maggie, like, Hey, if you just get a, I, we talked about self-advocacy today if you get some emails like I want to switch levels, <laughs> just know that's not. I didn't. <laughs> I didn't tell them to be like that. That dancer, you know, I wasn't advocating for yeah. that. It was more. I, I explained to Maggie what I actually shared with them, and she was like, "Oh yeah, that's great." But if I do get someone who's like, 
I'm going to forward the email to you. I was like, that's totally fair. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I had a great time with them and I just wanted to share with them like the practical tools said, like, how do you build confidence? How do you start to um, change your beliefs and change your mindset to perform better and feel better? And of course, part of that was learning to um, have the confidence to advocate for yourself and be on your own team in different ways, whether that's through your own self-talk or through asking a question or standing at the front or asking for a change in situation if it's appropriate. Um, so I'm glad that clicked with them and that it didn't cause too much mayhem for you guys. <laughs> yeah. I also will say that the year, the year prior, I think you only had like one or two Zooms yeah. with the, the group. Mm-hmm. Just so you know, I was like, this girl's got it. These kids need to hear more about her. Uh, it was the RAs who suggested that you would, like, come and do longer Aww. periods of time for work. So we were big Thank fans you. as well. So I was very excited to have you on the podcast. Yeah, that's really an awesome experience that. for them to get to hear you. I wish when I was in summer intensives, like, we had that, you know. Yeah, me too. Because y'all probably had the typical nutrition seminar right yeah of course yeah I had that every single summer program and sometimes it was great but then sometimes I just feel like it was damage control for like some of y'all are gonna be not treating your body right and so we need Mm -hmm. to say that wasn't our fault like I don't know maybe I'm yeah I'm just I I sound super cynical you know it depends on the program um but I just thought, yeah, why don't we actually talk about the mental issues that also contribute to the need for nutrition seminars and things um, like that? So yeah, you know, yeah. mind it's controls everything. Oh, yeah. It feels like, I mean, what you're talking about, too, is kind of just like doing backwards, mm-hmm. doing work backwards for like the damage that's already been done. So like going to the source of things. I was yeah. going to say, I remember one nutrition seminar. Those things were so ridiculous. She just talked about beans for an hour. <laughs> Just about beans. Legumes. She was obsessed. Yeah. Wow. I feel like, she was like on on her bean shit though. I feel like sometimes yes. they wouldn't know what to say to dancers. Like they didn't not all the time were they comfortable around mm. us or knew what we should be eating. They're like, oh, we know where they're supposed to be skinny. So they'd be like, nuts are a good source of protein throughout the day. And like you can have mm-hmm. a fruit. And you're like, what? Okay. Like it's just like strange. Yeah. Um, but I am wondering um, if you could go back in your dance career at your most vulnerable point, what's something you would tell yourself with the knowledge you have now? Mm. Yes, I would definitely tell myself that what I'm going through at that time is actually laying the groundwork for the mountaintop moments that I would experience later. Um, and I really believe that's true for everybody. And I don't mean at all to say like, there's always such a happy ending and everything you go through is like, you know, you're supposed to be cheerful about it or positive. I, I try to bring a lot of nuance to discussions around mindset work and mental health because I'm, I'm naturally a big fan of positivity. I identify as a positive person, but I also really value that um, every emotion that we have has a purpose and Mm -hmm. none of them are inherently good or inherently bad. 
It depends on your situation. Like, is one feeling going to be useful for you or more useful than another? Okay. But I say that to share that if anyone else is going through a really, really low moment, um, your measure of success doesn't need to be how positive you are every day about that thing. Cause I think it was actually quite good for me that I allowed myself to cry and grieve certain changes I was going through. And I definitely, again, advocate for that and dancers that I work with, I really appreciate helping them to process the emotions that they're going through instead of deny it, cover it up. Cause we do that on our own as dancers a lot yeah. of times because we're just there trying to get the job done in the studio. They don't need someone like me to come in and be like, just be positive. Have you thought of brushing your sadness away? <laughs> you should try it sometime. I'm not going to do that because that, that disregards their felt experience. And um, I, I heard the quote one time that emotions are like visitors. If you don't let them in, they'll keep on knocking. So I really, mm, it's good. I, I really do live by that. And I wouldn't want to go back and like, make myself feel positive about what happened before. But I do really believe that there is so much like depth of character and perspective that we could gain in those moments or ideas and realizations that we could gain that then can help us um, going forward to maybe change our path or yeah, benefit us in some way. I'm a big fan yeah, of perspective. That was a great answer. Thanks. I feel like, that's that I feel like we need to underline bold and like emphasize whatever the heck you just said <laughs> in the last minute because I feel I feel like I've, I've um just I've just been a friend to a lot of people who I I've heard them say too much like well I should just be grateful or mm -hmm. I'm just frustrated that I'm not feeling grateful or not feeling happy right now so it's already like you're just trying to experience this emotion, but yeah. then the perfectionist level of it is like, well, I just need to like, I need to just be up here. I need to like raise my energy, but, yeah. and then like you get frustrated that it's not working. And then it's just like, you're just kind of like at odds with yourself mm -hmm. and you can see it happening in these people's brains, like while they're dancing in the studio. Yeah. But I totally. just feel like what you said that you just need to like live that experience and know that it's going to teach you something. And they're just going to be a, like you said, mountaintop. Totally. At the end of all this. <laughs> yeah, I, I really appreciate that you brought that up because in the last year, I'm always doing my own learning and growing to stay passionate about what I do and also just to keep, just, you know, as a dancer, I always wanted to, part of my, I think, passion for dance was in the constant improvement. And I want to bring that to what I do as a mindset coach now. And one thing that I've been really thinking about and learning about in the last year has just been observing perfectionism in the personal development space. And it's so interesting. Again, I love bringing nuance to these discussions because is it useful to be grateful and joyful? <laughs> yeah. But if you add um, the lens of perfectionism onto like how you interpret and deal with your emotions, then we can overly value and even add moral value judgments to certain emotions. Like I'm a better person if I'm grateful um, mm -hmm. and I'm not as good of a person if I'm sad. And that just leads us to have even a damaged relationship with our emotions. 
And I just really like to um, change that view when I speak with and work with dancers. I really like to actually help them understand a new view of their mind and their emotions. And especially with the emotions, removing moral judgments from them and recognizing that each one has its place. All emotions are messengers and they're trying to share with you some sort of feedback to help you actually be well, your mind and body are actually trying to help you. And so what is really cool, like with the example of anxiety is when we remove the label of like bad, or it's a problem that we have anxiety and this is a sensitive subject. So if this doesn't uh, resonate with whoever's listening and it's not true to your experience, then totally toss it. But in some examples, um, when we um, stop treating anxiety like the problem and we rather treat it like just a messenger, it's a symptom, it's a message coming from your mind and body to say like, hey, something needs attention, something needs care. It A, helps us to have a much more non-judgmental, compassionate relationship with ourselves. And then also it helps to, it helps us to actually like come into a deeper connection with ourselves where we're not scared of certain sensations or feelings or thoughts coming up because we're like, Oh, the, the thought or the feeling isn't the problem. It's just a messenger. And it's trying to get my attention to help me understand something. And so with me personally, uh, the anxiety, the really intense anxiety I used to experience around performing when I saw the anxiety that way, like not as a problem, but as some sort of message, and I got curious about it, I realized that the anxiety was just a signal helping me to understand that the perspectives and beliefs I had around performing weren't working for me. And so it was inviting me into seeing that differently. So I just, yeah, I could go on and on about like how it's important to well, see your emotions in a healthy way and what they mean and blah, blah, blah. But yeah, I just wanted to bring that up. I've never heard anxiety be explained that way. And I feel like I just had like a boom explosion mm-hmm. in my mind. <laughs> that was yeah. great. I'm, I am curious now because I have certainly struggled with allowing myself to just feel mm-hmm. these emotions. So like feeling what anxiety was for a long time. I just had like, I, I had stomach pain. Like I just had lower stomach pain and it wasn't for any other reason. Yes. I was figuring out that I'm dairy free now that I need to be dairy free, but there's also like, there there are other things, other other factors at play. But for me, I like was internalizing a lot of the stress that I was going through in my teenage years. And I would Mm. never really like feel anxiety or feel like really emotionally feel the stress. Yeah. And I believe it all came from this sentiment that was, overtly expressed throughout my development as a young dancer was as soon as you're in the studio, you leave your emotions at the door. Yes. Like you leave all your problems at the door and you come in and you just, you do work. So like every time I was in the ballet studio, I remember this one time, I think I've told Rachel about this, but I was on the verge of a meltdown. Since then I've had meltdowns and I've like, I'll, I'll explain. But, um, I remember it was just a tough day and I don't know what was going on in my life, but I had this teacher. He asked me to show a combination, and I was just like, I don't have it in me today. Like, mm-hmm. I just, I know the combination. Like, I was getting frustrated with myself. It, I was in my own, like, battle in yeah. my head. And I remember him, I finished the combination, and it had been okay. It was fine. But in my head, it was, like, the worst thing, and I was the worst dancer ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I remember, like, 
a tear just like starting to form and i'm telling you i'm telling you exactly what happened i sucked that baby back in because i was like i am not going to show any emotion oh my in, my, in my life and that was like when i was like 15 16 but i had experienced i sh- like really felt like i wasn't able to like talk about emotions or like yeah i wasn't i wasn't allowing myself to even feel the emotions mm-hmm. that i would so I wouldn't be able to talk about them because I hadn't felt them at that point until I had gotten to college, which was, like, where I was able to be, like, oh my God, this is what anxiety is like. I mean, it was, like, stress about tests and exams and boys and friends and drama and all of that stuff. But, like, it took me so long to be able to just feel that. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering what your perspective is on just the sentiment of leave your problems at the door leave all your emotions. Yes. Uh, I'm so happy you brought that up because I actually have a very similar experience. Um, the way I coped with things and also the messages I took in from authority figures was be positive. Also leave your problems at the door. Crying Mm -hmm. is weak. It's super unprofessional. They're a distraction. Mm -hmm. Emotions are a problem. They're useless get over them. Like I, I thought I, I didn't recognize this at the time, but I actually did have this deeply ingrained feeling that I was a morally superior person for not experiencing emotions, mm-hmm. unpleasant emotions specifically. Um, and I really like that language of calling them unpleasant emotions rather than negative because negative even comes with this connotation of better, worse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Which is giving it a moral value. Exactly. Exactly. So when teachers say things like leave your emotions at the door, it is really modeling that belief system of better, worse, good, bad. Like feelings mm-hmm. aren't useful. They're not welcome. And I think it's really healthy to, as best as we can as instructors, to allow students to, yes, have dance be an encouraging space for them. And yes, promote focus, promote discipline. Naturally, the more you focus in on what you're doing and you get into that flow state, you will not be so focused on what's going on in your outside life. You might not present as much emotion. So that's naturally going to happen. But um, as instructors, if we're modeling behavior, like even in little ways, chastising or isolating students who are crying or um, being very rigid and very cold ourselves. Now all this is nuanced. It's not like we're going to have a circle and all hold hands. And if you're having a bad day as an Mm -hmm. instructor, you're just going to like feel your feelings. Like you have a job, just like all the dancers have a job to do. So again, there's nuance to all this, but I do think it is really important for instructors as much as it's possible to just notice the student and be perceptive. Notice the student who looks like they're just having a hard time and maybe just give them space instead of going in and either trying to change their mood or making them feel worse by labeling Mm -hmm. that as some sort of a problem. Um, and then also as dancers, we can practice holding space for ourselves in just asking ourselves like, okay, how am I feeling going into class? What are the emotions that are coming up for me? Um, and 
then asking ourselves, how do I want to like, what kind of class do I want to have considering what I'm coming in with just a little intentionality. Mm-hmm. Um, and just asking that question can be so helpful because it's just a little reminder that you do have the power to choose. It's not like your only option is to leave it all at the door and hate that you were feeling that, you know, you can say like, okay, the kind of class I want to have today is I actually want to just allow myself to be and just, mm-hmm. just dance, let this class be what it's going to be. Or maybe you want it to be an uplifting space for you that day. Um, simply checking in with yourself and holding space for just accepting and acknowledging what you're feeling without judging it yourself. And then allowing yourself to move forward and choosing the kind of class you want to have. Um, it's not always super easy, but that can be step one. Yeah. I was just going to say, um, I love all that. And I try my best sometimes mm-hmm. for some reason in board bras, I don't know today, even I went to class and I was doing like a, it was at the end of Ramadan, you board bra all the way around, you know, and then reverse it. And I was just, I was just like in my head, I was like, do I need to be doing more in this class? I need to do blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Like, do I, what am I, what am I going to do with the rest of the day? It's my birthday also. So I was like, <gasps> Yay, I birthday. had a lot of conflicting feelings. I was, I wanted to, um, I don't know. I was like, do I need to talk to anybody? But then I, I, my intention for the class was to just go and move and feel good. And that's all I wanted to do. Yeah. Um, but in this port bra, I was like, okay, just slow down, slow down, take a second and just like, like look at your arm. It's a very, um, Rachel knows I'm a very like flowy, like yeah. meditative, love it kind of gal. <laughs> so, um, I was like, you know, just slow down. Just observe your surroundings, you know, breathe, take it easy, and just, like, experience what's going on. Yeah. Um, But I was just going to say, for so many dancers out there, professionals, students, whatever, there's always kind of like a, I mean, depending on your situation, I think it's more common than not um, having somebody else in the room who is holding your casting or your job in their hand. Yeah. It feels like your world. I love Yes. Yeah. yeah, I feel like that sentiment is wonderful, but it's almost like you have to break down that barrier Mm. to be able to like allow yourself to have intentional thoughts. Because I feel like sometimes in my experience, I've been like, okay, I just want to go in. I just, I want to have class today. I'm just going to focus on my placement and I'm not going to look at anybody in the room. And then like, repetitor shows up and then all of a sudden it's like you can't think about it that at all because you're just like so consumed with like okay who are they watching am i good enough Mm, yeah i can start comparing myself to the person that they're watching so Mm. do you have any tips for like kind of finding a way to navigate into that intentional yes yes i am maybe stopping the spiral of like when it starts because for me i feel like i would be like oh like stop it don't freak out like try and calm myself down but it spirals really quick and you can't stop it feels like right yeah exactly and there's so much that i could say about this but one concept i could share that i'm such a big fan of is peeling your energy off of people. (laughs) And so what I mean by that is, you know how you could just feel, you feel your attachment to what they think and their eyeballs on you and their facial expressions as they watch you or don't watch you. 
your Mm -hmm. focus and attention is going all towards that person. And it makes total sense. And this is why it's um, difficult psychologically to be a dancer because we are generally as a population, quite uh, action oriented, results oriented. We tend to take responsibility for our results and work hard to get them. But pairing that with a system where there is a gatekeeper to your definition of success, that is so, so, so tough. And I realize there's almost no way out of that. If someone else holds in their hand the results you are working for so that only they can give to you success, then you are going to feel so attached to what they think and so attached Mm -hmm. to looking at where they are in the room and everything. And you'll probably be so preoccupied thinking about them and monitoring them that it almost always takes away from your focus and your ability to perform. That's what I've seen because, you know, we only have so much space in our conscious awareness. And so if it's being filled with thoughts of them, it's being taken away from you and what you're doing. So I think one of the best things that you can do in that situation is number one, redefine success from getting the part or getting the contract or getting the approval to defining it in a way that is within your power and is within your control. So what I did um, as an example of this in audition season years ago was instead of defining success as getting a contract, which obviously I wanted that. I still wanted it. I'm not disregarding that I wanted it. That's why I'm there. (laughs) But I said, okay, that's what I want. But success for me in this audition is going to be showing up with, I I literally have this mental picture of I'm going to radiate the confidence that feels very authentic to me. I'm going to share Mm -hmm. my authentic self, my essence, what makes me, me as a dancer. And I developed a really clear mental picture of what that looks like and what it feels like when I do that. And I started taking class as that dancer. And then I would show up to auditions and instead of defining success as getting the contract and then measuring that success as, are they looking at me? Are they, are they calling me back? Are they talking about me? That's, you know, those are little measures. If you're defining success as contract, then you're probably measuring success as they're talking about me. They're looking at me. I knew I would be so preoccupied if I define success that way. So instead um, which by the way, if you are defining success that way, you're probably going to feel like you're failing anytime you're not getting the attention. And that's just such a roller coaster. It's just such an energy suck. So one of the best that's, things we I can like do. That's just so true for so many professional ballet dancers. Yeah, it seriously yeah. is. So I acknowledge it's hard, but it's super empowering to start to say, okay, like maybe success for you in a class where the repetiteur is coming in could be focusing in on how do you want to interpret the role or how do you want to do choreography or what would it look like to, for you to show up as your best focus all of your energy on doing that. And as best as you can, um, choosing to really detach from saying like, okay, I want the outcome. I want the part, whatever you can acknowledge Mm -hmm. that you want it, but just removing the feeling of, I need it to be happy. Mm -hmm. And I know there's a lot that goes into that, 
but it can be that simple. And if you just practice that attitude enough, it can help you to get really used to the practice of, like I say, peeling your energy off of those people so that you can just be in your own bubble. And what's really cool is, isn't it so attractive when you do see a dancer (laughs) who's like clearly just like in their zone, your eye goes Mm -hmm. to them. It's magnetic. Mm -hmm. So you're literally attracting the sort of attention that you want when you take your attention off of them so much and you put it back on yourself. Yeah. So that's what I like to start with. Again, there can be so much there, but that's the simple gist of it. No, that's awesome. And I feel like the more you practice that, the more your value system changes and you start Mm -hmm. to just believe in yourself and like care about what you bring to the table so much more than what you bring what you offer to this company or what you offer to this one person who's casting, what you offer to this one teacher. Mm -hmm. So like after a while, it probably is, I mean, I certainly have good days and bad days, so I know it's hard, but I know that it's, it's an up and down kind of battle. But at the Mm -hmm. same time, I can see just like the more you kind of get yourself to believe in yourself on a daily basis and like just, trust your own unique qualities to mm-hmm. get you where you want to go. It's going right. to show. Gonna, it's gonna yeah. Work. And it's going to show yeah. when it's important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And finding confidence in more than just your results and someone else's mm-hmm. approval. That's what's going to help you to feel grounded enough to believe in yourself. And I kind of put that in air quotes because the term believe in yourself is very common and it's not bad. Like, I use it, but, um, I found that in my journey when I was younger, this idea of believing in myself sounded so important and like a really nice idea, but I was like, how the heck do I do that when I feel like garbage, you know, or when I have a series of events that feel like failure in my memory bank, you know, how am I going to believe in myself? And so there are practical things you can do to rebuild trust and rebuild confidence in your abilities um, and in things beyond your abilities, you know, to be able to trust your process so that you feel grounded. And when you feel grounded in that confidence and in that self-belief, then you can better detach from those outcomes and say, you know, I win some, I lose some. Mm -hmm. I don't always get what I want, but sometimes I do. And sometimes when I don't, that doesn't mean I'm a failure. That just means Mm -hmm. they were looking for something different. They have a different opinion of me. I think I would be great for the role, but you know, even just recognizing people are allowed to have their different opinions and it doesn't have to mean so much about you. Yeah, absolutely. What are some of those things that you would suggest doing or practices to build self-confidence in yourself? Mm -hmm. One of my favorite things is to talk about, or I'll say like a recent kick I've been on because there are many different aspects to building confidence that I like to address. But um, Mm -hmm. one that's really great is just recognizing that confidence is built um, slowly through evidence. So a lot of times dancers are very... um, familiar with that idea. And we think that, well, yeah, I have all this evidence from my past that I didn't get into this program. I didn't, um, 
I was never the favorite in that school and I'm not the, the favorite in this company either. And I got so many rejections. Our brains are designed to hold on to evidence like that from the past. We all have an ingrained negativity bias. Just so knowing that's normal yeah. is step number one and recognizing that our minds are constantly creating a subjective experience and even memories themselves are subjective. You know, think of your entire life experience. Do you have memories of every single little second? No, <laughs> I don't. <laughs> and, you know, even uh, when you go back into the past and you recognize what you remember, they're always, they're almost always either repetitive or emotionally significant experiences. Mm-hmm. And since, again, a lot of significantly emotional experiences had unpleasant emotions attached, our minds tend to latch on to this bad thing happened. This is proof, proof, proof that I'm not good enough. And so when you recognize, oh, a lot of our um, negative belief systems are just built off of understandable past experiences that our mind just disproportionately latched onto, you can then start to open up into more objectivity and say, okay, well, what are the past experiences I'm holding on to as evidence against myself? Mm-hmm. And then actually have a moment and do some work to say, all right, are there things that I actually can learn from those past experiences or have learned that have actually benefited me? Am I judging myself for having an experience that actually most dancers have? Everyone's faced a rejection. Just some interpret it as that's proof I'm not good enough and some interpret it as normal. Well, you're allowed to interpret it as normal. So going through the process of identifying what are the things that you have used as proof against yourself and actually reconciling those past memories to say, actually, I do get to control the narrative about what those experiences mean about me. You can learn from them. You can redefine them. I mean, this is what oftentimes is done in therapy, and that's why it can be really effective. It's called memory reconsolidation. It's an actual process, and it helps people recover from very difficult experiences and draw a new conclusion. You can do that too. Anyone can do it. And then after you do that, um, like reconciling your um, negative experiences and saying, what can I learn from them? How can I draw a new conclusion about them? Um, you can actually say, well, what are the things that I have actually grown in? What have I succeeded in? What are the things I can do now that I used to think I couldn't do? Those are all evidence that you are capable of growth, that you're competent, that your choices do make a difference, that you have power as a person. You can go back and actually consciously select evidence that fuels your personal confidence, your belief that you are capable or you can handle a challenge or you can face uncertainty. And you can not only find evidence in your past, but you can also create evidence on purpose and say, okay, I'm going to go into this class and my one job in this class is going to be that I want to uh, take the area of my technique in which I feel most insecure and just start showing myself that I can take one simple action to change it. I'm going to open my mind and say, okay, if pirouettes is my insecure spot, Mm -hmm. I'm going to um, make a choice to um, 
practice differently or maybe apply a new approach and then take it seriously. When you do even see a little baby improvement, put that in your evidence box of like, I can, I can do this. I can create change. And that is a process that legitimately builds confidence because you're reinforcing new belief systems and you're literally showing yourself that you're in charge of the narrative that you're telling yourself about yourself and you can create change and you are competent. Those are things that build confidence. Yeah, that's so great. And I was thinking too, um, you're saying, you know, using the positive memories um, to reinforce your confidence going forward. And a lot of times I'm thinking the answers speak so negatively about themselves. It's almost <laughs> like a culture. It's like yeah. the accepted thing to do. It's like almost frowned upon to be too positive about yourself out loud. So I mm-hmm. imagine that that trend is like extremely negative. Cause just like the self-talk and hearing yourself say it about yourself is damaging. So I would encourage dancers this season to push their peers to not do that and make it more of a culture of we can talk positively about ourselves amen (laughs) i I really get on a soapbox about that so i'm glad that you did so i don't have to because i hate it that was a big thing for (sighs) me yeah i was gonna say i feel like i've like the amount of i mean it's just everybody it's everybody yeah. who's like, oh, that was a bad, no, that was such a bad adagio. Like, oh, that was terrible. They like shake their head and they walk mm-hmm. off. And they like, I mean, they just immediately associate that whole combination. Everything they did in that combination was bad. It yeah. was an unpleasant ex- experience. So I like, I always try to tell my friends if they're like really struggling one day, just be like, that was a beautiful arabesque. Like just for a second. Yes. Before you start saying, oh, I know, I blah, 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 but this is a bad class for me. Whatever. That was a beautiful arabesque. Just say, okay, thank you. Thank you. That was a good arabesque. Thank you. I appreciate that. Because those tiny little things, it's the tiny things where you start to just realize, like, okay, so it wasn't the whole experience. Okay, Mm -hmm. so it wasn't the experience. Okay, it's a little off my leg. I just need to shift my weight. And then you, like, slowly start to just, like, yeah and a whole performance is ruined by that little you know Mm -hmm. slip you had and it's like I remember having this moment where I realized I was watching a performance and someone slipped and I was thinking I know they're just like gonna go through it but I forgot so quickly that it happened and I was like why do we dwell on it for so long that I can't sleep that night that I'm crying or whatever (laughs) and it's the person watching even if you know ballet is able to be like it happens and enjoy Mm -hmm. the rest of it that was a huge like mental shift for me when I realized that yeah so good ladies I I approve these messages (laughs) (laughs) Kirsten Kemp for president um (laughs) So I've got two little questions, one of which being, I mean, you work with a lot of students, you work with a lot of professionals, I'm assuming, um, mm-hmm. and I'm curious what the most gratifying part of the process is for you, and then also, because you're taking on the weight of a lot of dancers emotionally, what did you do for yourself? <laughs> Good cue. I've been learning that over the last <laughs> year. <laughs> um, So for the first question, one thing that I find to be so gratifying is when dancers come back to me after just a few sessions and they're feeling so much better and they're performing so much better. And 
usually at that point, it's like I could write a script and everyone just lives it out. They go, yeah, it's been, it's been so good. Like I've been feeling confident in class and I've really been enjoying myself and I'm just kind of like in the flow and I've even been like balancing longer or doing an extra turn and my teachers are noticing that part is exciting to hear. But what I really love is that so predictably they then go, but I don't know, it might be just because of my circumstances. I don't know. It maybe, (laughs) maybe it's just, I don't know. Maybe I'm just doing better. And I'm like, girl or whomever I'm talking to. And I just kind of like, oh, smile and nod. I'm like, okay. So what has changed in the last couple of weeks? And they're like, well, <laughs> um, I'm like your teacher's behavior. No. Um, anything else? No. Well, we've been, we've been talking about these things and it's just so funny to me because we're so quick to discredit <laughs> the power of working on our mindset and to then even assign our positive results to, Oh, it must be something circumstantial. It just proves that we're so um, conditioned to assign our emotional experiences to our circumstances and assume that if we're doing better, our circumstances must've changed it. Even if I've been meeting Face to face over Zoom with someone for a couple of weeks, and what's fun about that though is then to see us laugh about it, and to be for me to be like, no, actually, that was the power of your mind, mm-hmm. and you can continue you this going forward. That that was you. That wasn't your circumstances, and it wasn't me doing some like magic trick on you. I just walked you mm-hmm. through a very simple <laughs> process that now you have and you can keep doing it. And to see the hope in their eyes, like, oh, I actually can continue this. And it doesn't mean that, you know, ups and downs aren't normal. Um, I had a therapist once who says new levels, new devils, which I think is great. <laughs> so I say that just to normalize, like I typically help dancers get to a new level of success and then they experience different challenges and, you know, I give them tools that they can use to face those new devils at the new levels so that they feel um, confident going into that. But I like to normalize that it's normal to go up and down in your mood. That's just the nature of moods. But I just love that part of the work. And uh, for what I do for myself, um, a couple of things. The simplest one is um, I I just really find it so grounding to just go outside and really just be like, even if I just stand in my backyard and I look at the sky for three minutes, it really just helps me come back to myself. Yes. Yes. Because I can, uh, be a person who's, I'm very cerebral. I can really be in my own head and I'm very, I'm very comfortable being in my own head. It's, it's a happy place most of the time. (laughs) Um, but I can often, uh, kind of get out of being embodied and like connected to myself and my feelings. Uh, and sometimes, um, in work like this, whether, uh, you're a coach or a therapist or some sort of helping professional like this, you can take on other people's feelings like you were saying, Juge. So I just like to have moments like this to make sure my feelings are my own. Um, And the other thing is I really have to watch out for being hard on myself because that's something that it's, it's kind of like the dark side to a strength for a lot of dancers. Mm 
Yeah. Um, so it's a strength that I like to aim high, dream big, do more. I really like that. But every now and then I do catch myself being like, oh, I could have done more there. I could have done this, that, or the other. And comparing myself to people in different professions who are maybe able to work 10 hours a day because, I mean, either, I don't know. I hope they're doing okay. (laughs) Um, You know, there are some professions where, like even in dance, I was able to uh, work a lot without feeling burnt out just Mm -hmm. for some reason that was just the emotional and physical nature of the work. I would physically burn out, but mentally and emotionally, I wouldn't in this work. I just have to have a lot of compassion for myself that it does take like a lot of different parts of me to do this job well. And I'm like really bringing in the mind, the emotions. Um, and that almost sometimes has, more of a limit for me than my physical energy, which sounds weird, but yeah, just like being compassionate with myself and checking in, like, what do I need instead of being like, what should I do <laughs> because other people are doing it. That makes That's so much like sense. A, a human emotion though, like to be ambitious mm-hmm. and to like see success from be from your ambition. But then at the same time, like it's just a double-edged sword. Like the other part of it is like, it'll sneak in and be like, am I doing as well as this person? And yeah. Like, you're, you live in your world of like success for a minute and then you're like, Oh my God, I'm amazing. And then <laughs> you just barely take a step out and then everything crumbles for a <laughs> second. So I, I understand. Yeah. Kind of just like needing that moment to like, be like, no, it's, it's okay. Yeah. We're okay. <laughs> totally. I have to do the work too. You know, it's not like, Oh, I became mm-hmm. confident once. So <laughs> good to go I, for the rest of I life. did my little mental health routine once. I'm good. <laughs> no, like I need to work on it more than anybody because I'm helping people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So the next question is one tip for starting your season right. Um ask yourself what if this season could be fun what would that look like or you could sub any word for that I love what if it could be easy what if it could be fulfilling what would it look like and just let yourself dream let yourself envision instead of kind of buckling down putting your helmet on and being like I hope I hope it doesn't suck yeah (laughs) oh my gosh that's so accurate and like going into to nutcracker season like i hope this doesn't happen again or yeah. you know whatever your first show being like i hope i get casted in this one um <laughs> so easy to come in with the like negative memories of whatever happened last mm-hmm. season or seasons previous so yeah totally and that goes back to what you were saying you just you gave us the tools to approach the second part of that which is like what were the bad things that happened yeah and why were they unpleasant and bad? Do they have to be unpleasant and bad? So, mm-hmm. And what were the good things that happened? Yep. What can you learn from it? <laughs> um, so <clears throat> if you could change the big question, if you could change one thing about the ballet world, what would it be? Well, Rachel, you talked about it. Uh, oh, actually both of you, um, Dancers speaking negatively about themselves, Mm -hmm. especially out loud. 
Love that. Love that. Love that soapbox. I would end you. it. End yes. it. <laughs> Everyone, Amazing. write that down. <laughs> Yeah. Write that down, and the next time your friend says, oh, I don't know, that variation was terrible, you say, stop. Just stop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice to yourself. Um, okay, so we have a little segment, or you, or you listen to the podcast, you know, four for nothing. What is your Trader Joe's Trader Joe's must have for every time you go to Trader Joe's? Like, what's the one thing you have to buy? I know you're a Trader Joe's girl. coffee because they have the best price coffee. Oh, they seriously do. Oh, that's true. It's not bad. Rachel, do you have one? No. <laughs> or really? I like. I have to. I like those um corn chips that are like rolled up and they're like talkies. They're, they're like lime, chili. Oh, the fake Takis? Yes. Oh, yeah, like those, those are good. I don't think they're... Well, sometimes I'm feeling... I'm not feeling it, but I either get the almond butter cups or the peanut butter cups. Mm, yes, that is very that is good. Okay, and then the next question I have for you, because it's fall and it's cozy season, <clears throat> do you have a favorite blanket? What does it feel like and why is it your favorite? <laughs> what does it feel like? <laughs> Oh my gosh, this is hokey, but yes, um, I, okay, I have had, God bless her, um, my, this is so irreverent, um, okay, hold on, my great-grandmother was 106 oh. and a half when she passed away, like, oh my gosh, wow, she had longevity, that is for sure, so anyway, in her old age, this lady, she lived in the bayou of Louisiana. And also, when you're that old, there's not a lot to do. And so uh, she was into quilting. And she made me and my sister, when we were little, some quilts. And I still have it. And I still use Aww. it. That's so special. That's so sweet. Yes. Grandma May. <laughs> That's a heartfelt one. Yeah. Rachel, what, Rachel, what do you got? What's your... You got a 106-year-old grandma who gave you... No, I have nothing that compares. I have, like, a thick, fuzzy blanket from Target that I've had forever. Um, but it has, like, satin around the edge of it. Juju, you've definitely, like, sat Ooh. on it before. Like, nice. it's I've been on my bed, but um, I always put it on yeah. my bed no, in I the winter. The Is it white? No, it's, like, light pink, but almost... Okay, okay, okay. I know, I know the one. Nice. I was going to say, is it light, white or pink? Yeah. Um, that's a good one. Yeah, I think my mom has this one. It's like, we call it, it's the cat's favorite <laughs> as well. Um, my parents, their cat, she's like the star of the world. Yes. Um, but it, it was, I think it was like a Pottery Barn or Restoration Harbor one. So it's a nice <laughs> one. Mm-hmm. But it's got that like fake... Um, fur on one side that's like an inch or so long it's so nice and then the other side the other side has like a really really soft shorter layer kind of like i don't know just like a standard like really soft throw but the combination of having so you can like flip it one time if you're having if it's too hot or if it's too many the the texture's not right you can flip it oh i love that one it's like a bougie blanket for your cat Oh, okay, and oh, it's her favorite. I think we like. We think she likes it best because she like blends into yeah. it. It's her color as well. So camo. Anyway, 
Well, thank you so much for coming on to the pod. This was a lovely episode, and I feel like My you're going to help so many of the answers. Um, you should shout yourself out. I'll shout myself out. Heck yeah. <laughs> it's my favorite. Um, so yeah, I'm pretty much the confident dancer everywhere on the internet. Theconfidentdancer.com is my website. You can learn more about my coaching services. I have um, individual coaching programs and then also a group coaching program that is out and open for enrollment for a limited time. Pretty excited about that. It's always I so I saw fun. that. That's the Confident Dancer Collective. Yes, yes, oh, yes. It's awesome. so fun. Yeah, because I'm teaching like everything that dancers need to know in like a video course format that you get access to forever of like all of the psychological principles and frameworks that you can use to basically build confidence, perform your best, all that good stuff. And then there are group coaching calls that are so inspirational because you get to see people like recognizing, oh my gosh, I'm not alone. Wow, this dancer with a different experience than me has experienced the struggle that I have and they're overcoming it. And so it's just really cool to see dancers supporting each other and learning from each other. Um, so yeah, that's out and open for enrollment right now. And then, yeah, I'm on Instagram, Kirsten underscore the confident dancer. Although if you just search the confident dancer on Instagram, I'm pretty sure it would come up. The person who took that handle has no followers. I'm like, get out of here. Get out of here i have to um, say yeah. also ahead. i've been i've been a fan well i mean i like checked in on you okay i didn't check in on you but i i remember twin talks ballet forever ago on youtube oh my gosh yes i, I remember those videos chill. you were like a, you were an og ballet influencer oh like you were gosh. really one of the first ones yes i forgot about those videos rachel did that just click <laughs> i'm like so freaking out right now <laughs> that's oh amazing. my gosh that's hilarious yeah that was uh that's been my life I kind of oh my gosh I should have mentioned that yeah I started a YouTube channel with my twin sister when I was 16 because she twisted my arm to do it and then haha look at me now I'm the one who still does the channel so was she the first (laughs) twin out or were you yeah my sister was so it's kind of like she like because you were saying with the coaching too like that was she started that and you followed so it's like you know life just like works just like it started (laughs) i just let her do everything first now just kidding there are some things i do first but that is kind of a pattern with us we joke that she starts it and then i get really good at it and then i teach us both how to do it like i'm kind of the stable (laughs) twin and she's the one who's like i'm just gonna go do this and i'm gonna do that yeah (laughs) but like a little more chaotic but it works you know we have a nice little mix that's awesome yeah well yeah thank you so much for being on the podcast i i know for a fact you're going to positively enhance so many of our our listeners yes ourselves. thank you so much thank you my pleasure i'm grateful Bye. bye bye